and welcome to the AV Forums podcast for Monday the 10th of April and joining me on this edition are Assistant Editor Steve Withers. Who talks first? You talk first. News Editor Mark Hodgkinson. You've changed your hair. And special guest star Mark Botwright. Have you felt it? Uh, right, so um, who's the fan of Salvage Hunters? That would be me, Salvage and Storage Hunters. Uh, well, the, dif- and- the difference being... Oh, the difference being one has uh, very expensive um, old things that are actually worth some kind of money. The other is um, uh, a lot of kind of human detritus buying things from storage bins. Which one's which? Because they were in Macclesfield this week. It came up on my Facebook page. Uh, I can't remember. It was uh, the Mac Express or something, the local paper. And there was a a picture of the guy. I don't know his name because I don't watch this program. Kind of strange looking tweedy guy with glasses. Does that make sense? A tweedy guy. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was all in tweed. <laughs> he was wearing a little flat cap. Yeah, he had a flat cap on. A little tweed yeah. flat cap. Yeah, and he was pictured with my postman, well, the postman who, who, who does all the uh, parcel deliveries. And he was standing outside the back of what looked like Topps tiles next to the bins. Do you, do you reckon? <laughs> <laughs> Is that what they do? <laughs> Go around people's bins and, you know. In, in short, no. <laughs> oh, right, okay. <laughs> but that's a hell of a claim to fame, you and your postman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I had to look twice. I was looking. I was thinking, well, "Why is my postman on Facebook?" And then it, it mentioned salvage hunters, and uh, is, there is he was this, next to him, beaming away. He was. Is this the kind of inside scoop that's made the running order now? <laughs> yeah, there's no ads. So <laughs> pure filler. <laughs> People I saw this week. People I saw on Facebook this week, and I actually see him in person. I'm not altogether sure it was Tops Tiles, but it looked to be around that area. It was going to be one of the uh, retail parks in Macclesfield somewhere. Yeah, uh, but there you go. Yeah. Are you, are you jealous? <laughs> no, not really. Yes. <laughs> no, it's really. good free advertising for Tops Tiles as well. <laughs> well, I'm not. That, well, around like, the back of Tops Tiles. Yeah, around the back of Tops Tiles. And also next to Tops Tiles is another tile giant. It's like kind of the tile area of Macclesfield. <laughs> and there's B&Q just across the road. So if you want tiles, that's the area you want to go in. And I'm guessing that's you know that's why he was there, looking for old tiles. Well, thanks very much for that, Mark. That's... Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> that's my week. Uh, well, my week, uh, I travelled about an hour away uh, to a 50s diner to meet a load of strangers, which sounds really dodgy. <laughs> Cheeky spot of dogging then, was it, Phil? <laughs> yeah, not quite. Uh, no, it was the first uh, first pony club meeting. So the first time uh, I'd gone and met fellow Mustang owners. Uh, some beautiful cars there, mine. 1968 and a 1966 uh, original. There's a GT500 from uh, the 90s and so on. Oh, some really nice cars there. And uh, funnily enough, the people were all right as well. There wasn't any weirdos there. So, yeah. I, I call that... Well, apart, apart from, from me. You. Apart from me. <laughs> They don't call it the Pony Club, do they? Yes, they call it a Pony Club. The Northern Pony Club. Every now and then there's a a young girl with a a small pony turn up by accident, getting it all confused. (laughs) I have no idea. Uh, On the back of that, I'm going to another event on Sunday, because you do, which is parking on the grass, basically, with with (laughs) loads of other American cars. So um, my social life is really taking off at the moment. I was going to say, congregating in car parks late at night with other people in cars. No, it's it's not late at night. It's during the day. It looked very authentic as well, looking at the pictures of the, the American diner. It was, uh, yeah, it's just a shame that the food was shit. Well, that's pretty predictable, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a five guys. I'll give it that. Did you all go out and rev your engines after? 
No, because it's obviously, you know, when you're talking about Mustangs, you're talking about brand new stuff or you're talking about old stuff that needs to be kept on the road. And the people that can afford that are usually retired. So it was quite a mature crowd, actually. I, I, again, again, apart from you. I, again, apart from me. Um, mm-hmm. I was one of the younger members there. So, no, it wasn't all about you know, revving engines and that, but it, there was a lot of bonnets being lifted and things being looked at, which I have no idea about. Um, Mr. Burry, what did you do in your social life since the last podcast? Uh, I Well, my time yesterday was spent going to my nephew's school and doing some African artwork, if you must know. All right. And yeah. what, what's African artwork? Uh, you use a... Well, I don't, I don't think it's authentic, as in I don't think they traditionally used uh, cotton buds and finger paint. But, you know, it's all quite good. <laughs> so what did you paint? I didn't paint anything. He painted it, but I had to draw an elephant. So, you know... <laughs> It's a, it's a horrible it. thing. If, if you haven't drawn anything for years and someone suddenly says, can you draw something? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I think the best I could do would be stick men. Do, can you do stick elephants? Does that work? No, no. Uh, it, it kind of ended up as some kind of... Just do a wonky-looking horse with a trunk, and that'll do. <laughs> <laughs> I often have to get involved in our kids. They have you know art projects and, and, and various things that last the term, and Almost inevitably, I end up doing them. But the good thing is, they always look like they've been done by a kid anyway. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can't really tell any difference. They'll never be sussed. And uh, and Steve, you took over the the role of uh, Hodge this week, uh, dodging out of work. Because of a sick cat. Yes, yes. Unfortunately, I had to go to the vets twice. Um, both t- trips involving you know at least fifty quid and a series of injections for the poor thing. But she yeah, she had a bit of a virus. And she's all right now. Just expensive. What can you do? What can you do? Well. Do you have to have a cat? Let, let her die, I suppose. But... <laughs> so, I, I, I'll repeat what you said to me once. It's only a f***ing cat. <laughs> yeah, now you've got one, haven't you? I was slightly less concerned than Nora, who was like, <laughs> always assumes the worst. You know, so you could have a slight temperature and it's like, oh, she's going to die. And like, no, she's not. <laughs> she's fine. <laughs> anyway. Uh, right, let's move on. Let's go to hardware news and a TV for a change. Steve? Yeah, the Sony, the Sony XE93. So uh, this is their edge-lit sort of flagship model. Uh, Design-wise, not dissimilar from last year's XD93. Very similar-looking design. A little bit deeper, um, not quite as uh, as narrow as, or thin as last year's model. but um, And it weighs a tonne. For an edge-lit tally, this is seriously heavy, uh, suggesting it is extremely well-made, which it certainly looks like it is. I mean, you know, Sony, they always have very attractive designs. I think it's a, it's a really good-looking telly. Same kind of sloped metallic stand that they were using last year. Uh, the rear is slightly different. It's got a kind of a, a grid design to it now, which makes it easier to hide the various panels that you can remove uh, to connect things. So you've got quite good cable management at the back there. Uh, otherwise, though, like I say, it is pretty similar design-wise to last year. And in terms of performance, not dissimilar either. Uh, the colour gamma is about the same. Um, so looking at about 94% of DCI P3 when measured with um, 1976. And it's, uh, but the big difference is it's a lot brighter. Um, this, this TV can put out uh, one, nearly one and a half thousand nits in, in an accurate mode, which is, which is staggering for an edge lit telly. Um, so that's a big jump in brightness performance. Um, but otherwise, though, I think it is pretty similar in terms of design. Now, this uses the X1 Extreme processor. So what that basically means is that it will be getting a Dolby Vision upgrade later in the year. 
but at the moment it's still HDR10. It will also be getting HLG hybrid log gamma as well later in the year. But at the moment it's HDR10. And I've got to say, uh, for an edge lit telly, it's HDR10 performance was absolutely stellar. Really, really impressive TV. Because um, like I say, it can get really bright. It's got a pretty white color gamma. It tracks very accurately. It did a great performance. My new uh, Planet Earth 2 Ultra HD Blu-ray looks absolutely stunning on it. Uh, the one thing I will say, and this is, uh, this is applicable to all um, VA panels, it uses a VA panel so you get the, the good blacks for an LCD TV and you get, uh, you get a good contrast performance for an LCD TV. But as soon as you start moving off axis, any more than about 30, by even at 30 degrees off axis, you'll start to see a significant drop off in contrast performance. Once you get to 45 degrees off axis, there's a very big drop off in contrast performance and you will see haloing from the local dimming at that point. So bear that in mind, depending on where you're going to be sat. But certainly when you're sat facing the TV, it delivers a really, really good performance. The deep blacks, good, really effective local dimming, uh, fantastic performance in SDR and in HDR. Um, it has the Android TV platform, of course, as, as with the last few years of Sony TVs. Again, it's, uh, it's not one I'm massively in love with. I, I tend to, it always feels like it's about three different systems bolted together. Uh, and so it's, it's never necessarily, you can do things at least three different ways sometimes. It's still not entirely robust. I had two crashes so far um, in the space of a week. So it's still not the most robust system, I have to say. It can be a bit annoying, and I don't necessarily like the way it's all bundled together. But uh, but it has got that. Uh, it's got the same remote from last year, that kind of rubberized remote with a very low button, which some people like and some people don't like, because it's quite hard to find the buttons in the dark. Uh, and uh, sound-wise, it's okay. It's not, it's not amazing, but it's an edge-lit thin telly, so it's never going to sound fantastic, but it sounds pretty good. Um, yeah, overall, overall, I'm impressed. I think performance-wise, it's a really good TV. Uh, input lag-wise, it's uh, measuring, well, depends on how you're playing. If you're, if you're playing 1080p games, uh, you're going to get about 42 milliseconds of lag, whether it's SDR or HDR. Um, you get a lower input lag, though, if you're playing in 4K. So presumably, because the TV hasn't got to scale the content up, um, it will reduce the lag. But uh, I, I guess most people are still probably gaming in 1080p rather than 4K unless they've got uh, either a PS4 Pro or uh, Xbox One S or, um, or they use a, uh, you know, a PC gaming rig. But um, if you're a 1080p gamer, it's a little bit high. But I mean, I think 40 milliseconds is fine. I don't think people are going to complain about that. And it's more like 25 milliseconds if you're using uh, a 4K source. So, yeah, I, th I think as, as a edge lit 4K Ultra HD um, HDR TV, I think it's a cracking performer. Really impressed Worth the price premium over the XC90? Uh, well, um, it's in, that's an interesting question, Mark, and I, it, because the XE93 is brighter, um, but the XE90, of course, has a direct LED backlight, and it has local dimming. Well, I think the local dimming is better on the XE93. Is it worth the price? Uh, well, it depends on whether you place any value on Dolby Vision, I think, because the XE90 doesn't use the extreme the extreme processor, the X1 extreme processor. So you you haven't got the upgrade path. Otherwise, though, yeah, you're right. The the 90 is is a cr is a cracking value for what you're going to get. Um, and, and in most other respects, it's a very similar performer. So in terms of, I think the color gamut isn't quite uh, quite as big um, on the XE90. It's a little bit smaller, but still pretty big. Um, and the other other aspects of its performance are very similar. So uh, well, tough call, really. Um, a lot was bait. It seems to be made of how bright the 93 goes. I was um, staggered, actually. I must admit, when I first measured it, I had to do it again because I thought, is that right? <laughs> but yeah, it's it, it's really bright. I mean, that's a big jump up. I mean, it was a thousand last year, uh, last year. So it's uh, a significant increase in brightness for um for an edge, particularly for an edge lit TV. Uh, yeah, I, I was very very surprised. I'd be really curious to see when it comes in for review just how bright the XE94 is 
which of course is a direct LED backlight, um, because 1,500 from or nearly 1,500 from an HLED telly is a significant increase from yeah, last but, year. Yeah, but the XC94 is is just a bit big. Uh, it is a 75 inch telly, <laughs> but once you go big, Phil, there's no going back. <laughs> I'm just imagining you having to wear like a. Uh... Those little goggles that they wear when they go in sunbeds. Welding goggles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, funnily enough, Mark, I was just going to ask you, when it comes to gaming, I, I have it in my head that you're sat about a foot away from the TV on the floor with your legs crossed and the controller in your hand. No, not in the slightest. If anything, I, I'm, I'm a little bit further away. Yeah, that, that's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm kind of looking, or I, I've hesitated about the idea of upgrading to 4K, is the fact that, you know, I I assume I would have to sit a little bit closer and I'd, I'd have to stop being lazy and actually put my glasses on. Your sunglasses or your normal glasses? No, normal glasses, normal glasses. If I take them off, then then poor quality graphics and poor quality uh, t- TV signals actually look fairly okay. You know, I can watch <laughs> ITV4 without them. Uh, it's a bit strange about the input lag, isn't it? A bit of being lower on 4K HDR than it is on... Well, it shows a bit of a shift, doesn't it? The fact that, you know, for a long time it was kind of, you know, you had to really um, kind of research it, what, you know, if anything was changing with regards to the HDR signal or 4K signal. And now it's it's come to the point where that's that's the one that's most touted. And if anything, it's the, the 1080p one that people have to kind of look into. Mm-hmm. I think in my limited experience so far, whether it's SDR or HDR makes no difference to the input lag, basically. But it, I think it's interesting that not having to scale the image up to the panel which I guess makes sense when you think about it. Anything that involves additional processing is going to add a little bit of lag to it, isn't it? Um, if you turn on the true motion, you know, that medium adds lag to it. So, I mean, it defaults to off in the game mode and definitely leave it off. Because that will significantly increase the input lag. Is the Android TV system based on Android 6? Yes. It is. And it's getting a 7 update, isn't it? Later in the yeah, no, in the, I think that, um, as I understand it, Basically, it's going to be a massive update in, in a, couple, you know, a couple of months. I was going to say the summer, but it's nearly the summer, isn't it? Now? In, mm. a, in a few months' time, there's going to be a massive update where they're going to be adding Android 7, HLG, and Dolby Vision. Or, well, at least uh, in the case what of... could go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's specified. That's in the case of the XE94, 93, and the ZD9. Obviously, for the l- lower-tier models, it will be Android 7 and HLG. Yeah. yeah, but you're right, Mark. What could possibly go wrong with a massive <laughs> update like that? No, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's assuming it actually happens on time. Yeah, yeah and anything involving Android has a tendency to be delayed. <laughs> well, I mean, Android Seven's ready to go, and you, it should find. I mean, you won't have it then, but it, it'd be a lot more coherent in the system when they've got a Seven in. It's much better for a TV system. Okay, good stuff. So uh, that's the XE ninety three. The review will be up on the site at some point, sometime with a video next week as well. <laughs> it's at some point. Uh, I, I, you're you're not jet setting next week, are you? No, no, I'm uh, I'm not going anywhere. For, well, I'm not going anywhere now until the end of May. Thank right. God. Okay. Uh, Mark, tell us all about uh, ZTE. Oh, ZTE. Sorry, I wasn't for that. Um, yeah, I, I I can't tell you a lot because this was just a snippet from the end of one of their um, mobile device presentations. But um, they've they've got an Android TV box, so not just a a TV running. A box running Android, the actual Android TV operating system, uh, which makes them the third manufacturer to be granted that in the box market alongside uh, NVIDIA and Xiaomi. Um, so it'll get 4K Netflix and 4K YouTube as a minimum. Um, but the, the interesting thing about it was it, it claims to support Dolby Vision, um, which 
none of the others do. So it, that's presumably because it's based on one of the latest Amlogic chipsets, which would be the S912. I'm not sure which revision it is that supports Dolby Vision, but certainly the one I've got a box in now with, with an S912, and it definitely doesn't support Dolby Vision. Um, it's scheduled for release sometime in 2017, and it's going to be part of uh, ZTE's smart uh, smart home campaign as it were they've got they've got a, like everyone they've got they've got a series of smart home products coming out and this is going to be one way you can control it that's all part of android 7 as well that google are building more and more of this um smart home system stuff into the operating system uh, and, and that's a reflection of that I, I, I say i don't know a lot about it it'll be interesting to try and get a hold of a, a sample if possible because obviously zt a well-known manufacturer and you'd hope they'd send out something that works pretty nicely. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a, it's a wait and see product, really. But if it does everything it claims to do, it, it could be a contender. Okay, good stuff. So tell us about something that you do know about. So that's a box that you've reviewed, uh, the Zapiti Duo. Did I say that? Zapiti? No, I, don't, I really don't know. You're worse than me. It's a Zapiti. Zapiti. A Zapiti. Uh, are you saying a French accent because they're, they're a French organisation? Um, yeah. The, the, They've brought out a new series of products at the beginning of the year. Um, there's three of them under the Zapiti 4K HDR banner. There's the uh, Mini, the One, and the Duo. The Mini doesn't come with a hard drive bay, whereas the One and Duo do, one and two, respectively. Uh, as reflected in the names, they come come with hot-swappable 3.5-inch SATA uh, dock, st- docking stations. Um, and although they're based on Android... Um, they don't really, it's not really quite occupying the same market as the cheaper Android boxes because the PT had their own little twist of things. So there's the, um, namely really, there's the PT Media Center, um, which is their own take on a, on a media ecosystem that's, and it's, it just adds a little bit more to the package. So you've got cloud sync of all your content. So you can go from one place to another and just plonk it in it and it'll work or, or use a different device and it'll work with all your collection. Uh, it's got its own image database as well as subtitles. Uh, it does movie trailers uh, and offline playback. Uh, and the, and the real, one of the real benefits of the BT is they're constantly updating the software. Um, like popcorn hour and June do they, they really keep on top of it. And if anything breaks, they, they fix it pretty quickly. Um, I reviewed the duo, uh, which would be overkill for me because I, I, all my stuff's are stored on the network really. But, um, it, it's nice to have that option, I guess, if you want, if you want something really, really quick and snappy, obviously having local drives is just that a little bit better. Um, they're quite expensive. The the mini retails for two hundred and forty nine euros. Uh, the one for two nine nine, and the duo's three nine nine. But then again, they are built really really well, uh, and they come with a very nice remote control. Certainly much better than you get with your standard box. It's backlit, and it's got you know it's got all the buttons you want, and it's it's a well made bit of kit. Yeah, and in terms of um, media playback, it's it. It pretty much deals with everything you can think of. So it does frame pack 3D, it does HD and immersive audio formats, 4K up to 60 frames per second, 10-bit HEVC, uh, dynamic refresh rate switching, and it all just generally works very, very nicely. Now, the, the elephant in the room as far as the PT are concerned is the Zadu X9S, which I reviewed, I can't remember if it was this year, but, or late last year. Um, it's based on the same Realtek RTD1295 chipset uh and Realtek, to be honest provide all the background support for the pt as well so that their their player uh, the nuts and bolts of actually playing the content is based on the Realtek player and 
as you can imagine, they're very, <laughs> very, very similar in performance. Um, and there's a bit, and the the, <laughs> the Zadu is significantly cheaper than the Zapiti. Um, so the the Zadu X9S, uh, I think, retails for about one two nine. So it's almost half the price of the Mini, which is highly comparable to. Now, where Zapiti wins is in the build quality, in the better remote, in the Zapiti Media Center ecosystem. Uh, now, one thing the Zadu X9S wouldn't do, and it's a bit strange that the Zapiti would, is play um, 4K. 10-bit HEVC at 50 frames per second and dynamically switch into 50 hertz output. For some reason, the Zadu switches into 60, so that's that's a slight gain as far as the Zapiti is concerned. Um, and you also, the, the setup of Zapiti Media Center is a little bit easier than setting up ZDMC, which is a, a fork of, of Zadu's fork of Kodi. Um, and it, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit more plug and play. You you plug it in, you create an account, you scan for your content, and you're done pretty much. Really, it, it, it scrapes all the movie covers and and fan art you need, and all the metadata uh, synopsis and all that kind of stuff. Um, not that the Zadu can't do that. It's just that it's easier to do it on the Zapiti. Um, but that that's really about it. If you if you if you're comfortable messing around in Kodi, then you've no real massive reason to choose the Zapiti over the Zadu. Um, the other weak points, I guess, would be there's a real lack of customization options with with Zapiti. Um, you've got two two choices of interface. You've got the red one, which I don't like, uh, and the and the silver one, which is an optional and paid for extra. I'm not I'm not really don't know how Zapiti justify charging you a fiver for a, for a, a silver theme, as it were. And it does look really nice, but they really should be giving this stuff away free. Um, there's no HLG or Dolby Vision support, and, and none in the pipeline, as far as we know. So, future vision wise, it's a, you know like everything really, it, it'll be um, outmoded later in the year. Uh, but yeah, it's a really, really solid player. That if you want a fairly plug and play solution, really good hardware and software support, it's it's a it's a really good machine. And I, I'm assuming that the Zapiti you use two or you can use two hard drives up to what size? Sixteen terabyte, eight terabyte per bay. All right, so you're not going to run out of room, really. Unless unless you're a, a ridiculous collector, no, that should be enough for, for most people, yeah. I would think. So if if you're going for a top spec for that, so you're, you're buying the machine and the two hard drives, what are you looking at ballpark? Two machines, 399. Uh, well, you can get a hard drive for about 90. Four terabyte, well, oh, I don't know, actually, eight. I know a four terabyte drive because I was looking the other day, actually, funnily enough. You're looking at about 90 quid. 90 to 100 quid, so it's probably about 120, 130 for an 8 TB drive. So 260 plus 400, 660 or something like that. What I should say, actually, is the PTO are having a bit of a stab at the custom install market, and quite successfully by the sounds of things, um, since Collide Escape virtually is dead, um, the PTO are, are trying to step into that market. So there are, it does interface with like the likes of Control 4 and, and that kind of stuff, you know, the, these um, control systems, and it there is the uh, a product called the Nazrip, the Zapiti Nazrip, which does a very similar job to the Clyde Escape machines, as in you put your disc in, it rips it, it scrapes information, it's there, ready to play. So it, in the custom install market, they're, they're, they're certainly going to be looking to position themselves as a bit of a player as well. Which is interesting because certainly in the, in the custom install market, it has to work every time and it can't have any little foibles or do things it has to be easy to use it has to be the wife has to be able to go in 
and pick up the remote control and be able to use it. So I would say I would say in the case of the PT, other than the initial setup, anyone can use it. Honestly, it, it's just movies, TV shows, and then there's a few categories and you can do search, but it's all just presented in that you know that nice picture wall sort of format. It's dead easy to use, really easy. Okay, cool. Sounds like an interesting product, and it looks like it's got everything bar Dolby Vision and HLG, which is is no great loss, really. No, not at this stage of things, really. Where, where are you going to get your Dolby Vision content from? Well, uh, you know, and your HLG content from right now? There's nothing there, is there? So yeah, yeah. As things stand, it's great. Okay. Good stuff. Uh, so let's move on swiftly. Uh, Xbox Scorpio, what the hell is this, Mark? Uh, yes, this is um, the kind of Microsoft's answer to the PlayStation 4 Pro. So a kind of mid-gen refresh um, designed specifically around 4K content. Um, and it seems like Digital Foundry got the inside scoop and have looked at some of the tech behind Microsoft's plans. And it seems... You know, hardware-wise, pretty much as you would expect, improved CPU, GPU, you know, more RAM, that kind of thing, higher memory bandwidth. Um, what it gives you, though, um, UHD Blu-ray, obviously, um, like the Xbox One S, but was a kind of um, an annoying omission from the PlayStation 4 Pro. Um, seems like it's going to um, be more powerful than the PlayStation 4 Pro. Um tailored towards in quotes the premium customer now quite what that means is anyone's guess but you know it means 500 quid at retail (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was gonna say well this is the thing i I didn't even you know there's some speculation that perhaps they're just almost uh kind of pushing this idea that it's for premium customers and they're going to pull a rabbit out of the hat at e3 and you know show it at a a lesser price point you know the a, a lovely little surprise so to speak um but it, you know, it seems like it's it's kind of you know, very much going to be they're all singing, all dancing, all whistles box, um, and it, it's particularly interesting for the benefits for standard um, existing Xbox One and Xbox 360 games. So um, improved frame rates where you don't have a locked frame rate, so where you obviously get the the dips. Um, supposedly, it's going to completely eliminate screen tearing because of that. Um, where you've got dynamic frame rates, it will always max it out. Um, improved load times, um, a, a game DVR capable of capturing at uh, 4K, 60 frames a second. So it, it, it definitely sounds like it's going to bring benefits for the existing games catalogue, and that also kind of ties in with this idea that they're they're I think they're currently they might currently be beta testing it, but um, the Xbox Games Pass, which is going to be like a kind of subscription service similar to EA Access for a certain amount of Xbox One and Xbox 360 games. So get your get yourself access to you know a, a large catalogue for some kind of a monthly fee. So it it's it almost seems like it's pushing towards that games as a service model, which Microsoft might want to kind of start tailoring their boxes around. So the idea of you know a machine that plays you know a huge back catalog of titles because of course with a with a playstation 4 they've kind of left behind playstation 3 whereas microsoft have forged ahead with this idea of backwards compatibility of you know with games with gold they give away 360 games which will be playable through your xbox one um so yeah it it sounds sounds very interesting um obviously there, there was nothing about um you know price name or anything like that um or even a specific release date but we would assume we'll get all of that at e3 and you know 
potentially you know i mean there might even be exclusives on this we don't know um with sony with the playstation 4 pro they've always um said there there won't be um with microsoft have been a little bit more coy about that i think they know that they've got more of a chance to kind of leverage people into buying it if perhaps there's you know some all singing all dancing game that comes out specifically for it um i i'd still say that's an outside possibility but yeah right now it, it seems like the with the benefits it, it can offer to the existing catalog of titles which ps4 pro with its boost mode has been more hit and miss this this carries the promise of it will improve everything that is there you know anything that performs at a certain level on xbox one xbox 360 that you've you've had the dips in any kind of minor stuttering that kind of thing this has got the headroom to you know completely iron that out so it, it will not only improve the catalog of titles you've got but you'll be playing prettier games on it and and they showed it off apparently with forza um running at 4k uh, 60 frames a second native 4k um with room to spare and that was at uh, xbox one quality settings so you know seems pretty big statement of intent from microsoft apparently okay. turn 10 only had two days to turn that around as well so they were given two days to get it running like that on scorpio and, and did it which is promising isn't it for um for the existing games catalog yeah hugely so hugely have you seen the cooler the cooling system on it with hovis yeah, <laughs> not really nice. I got yeah. really excited when I saw that. I was expecting something bread-related, I'll be honest. When I heard it, I thought, ooh. No, it, it's it, not a loaf of bread on the back of the... No, no it's no. the guy who designed it was called Hovis, apparently. Yeah, but no, it, it, it seems very much... I mean, I mean, with the the Xbox One, they they designed a, a decent machine that, you know, I, mine runs absolutely whisper-quiet, um, and they've obviously designed these things. They're, they're very good with the... The, with the cooling after the problems they had with the xbox 360 and the problems with um the solder flow and and kind of overheating they've they've clearly wanted to make sure they they produce as as functional and as reliable boxes as they possibly can and, and if if they manage to do that again and if they hit a good price point then you know i don't see why this kind of idea of a, a mid-gen refresh can't kind of kickstart something for them i'm all over it i'm, I'm definitely getting one of these well, particularly for, for people who, should we say, if you've got a 4K TV and you, you look at the PS4 Pro and you want a UHD player as well, you know, it, it kind of, it, it's left people in a bit of a quandary, which is, you know, I, I know a certain amount of people have, have wanted to jump on the, the Xbox One S because it offers, you know, a cheap UHD Blu-ray player as well as a games console. So, you know, the, the PS4 Pro it does look like a sorely lacking feature that you say, yes, you know, you will get your 4K content. By the way, that's only 4K streaming, you know, which you know, if, if you want kind of full fat 4K, so to speak, you're going to want to get your, you know, like your Planet Earth 2 UHD Blu-ray, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. And it just so happens that the Xbox One S is winging its way to Steve right now uh, to be tested as a, as a Blu-ray player. Ooh, yeah. Steve gets the One S, Hodge gets the Switch. <laughs> it's not it life. Cool, isn't it? <laughs> what are you trying to say, Mark? Um, I, I, I'm just saying I'm open for freebies. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, they're not freebies. They all have to. No, go we back. send everything back. We send they everything all have back. To go back. Unfortunately, it's a hard life, Mark. It is. Oh, it's, it's especially hard when I keep getting bloody packages through the post for someone else. <laughs> who doesn't even live at my house and i keep taking them up the damn post office and they've come all the way from china i've got no idea what they are <laughs> what size are they it it's it's a tiny little box which is clearly and it, it comes marked as 
uh, plastic box for lamp. And you just think someone's got a broken lamp somewhere and they've ordered three of these things from China and they keep coming through my door. And it's the, it's the, it's the damn. It can't be urgent though. If we're ordering them from China, can it? If it can't be an urgent repair. Well, I'm just. What kind of lamp is it? Buy <laughs> <laughs> <by> a lamp. <laughs> this is the thing. What kind of a part do you have to order all the way from China? And the last one came via the Cayman Islands as well. That's dodgy. I know. This is dodgy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got yourself involved in one. <laughs> yeah, it's probably not, me... probably not for public consumption, this. <laughs> okay, uh, thanks for that, Mark. And uh, obviously, Xbox Scorpio will be keeping an eye on that. So moving on, um, if you've got a broadband, which is decent, and you want to change uh, your supplier, you want to see if you can get it any cheaper, uh, you can usually use comparison tools, unless you're Steve and you just have to stick to the one supplier because it's the only internet you're ever going to get. Uh, Mark, tell us about the new AV Forums comparison tool. Yeah, so it's it's uh, our recently launched comparison tool, which will look at deals from uh, all the major providers, including Sky, BT, TalkTalk, Talk, Virgin, PlusNet, John Lewis, EE, I can't read that one. Now TV, SSE, and Vodafone, uh, and it can it compares on the grounds of broadband and phone deals, broadband and TV deals, or a combination of all three. You can then specify what kind of broadband you like, so you can just go for standard broadband or very fast. Uh, you can then have either unlimited or capped data on that deal, and then it will. The tool will ask you how often you use your home phone, uh, like never, uh, evenings and weekends or any time. And then it will present a series of deals based on those criteria, uh, presented in a very nice and easy to read uh, in way. Um, and it will it'll highlight all the major benefits of the deal, such as the broadband usage and the speed and how long your contract is, whether there's any upfront costs, whether there's any incentives, which there often is, or free TV box or MS voucher, that kind of thing. Uh, and yeah, and that, and that basically sums it up. It's just an extremely easy to use tool um, that will bring back all the results you could really, really wish for. Um, I, I don't know what else to say. Just go and use it. <laughs> I think I think you've done a pretty good job at selling that, to be honest, man. I put my salesman uh, voice on. That. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that. Um, right, and to wrap up on the hardware bit, I forgot about competitions at the start. Uh, so, Mr. Buttright, why don't you tell us about the competitions? Okie dokes. Um, just the one, the same as last last week. Um, you can win the 4K Ultra HD Premier Collection. That includes The Revenant, Kingsman, The Secret Service, Life of Pi, The Maze Runner, Independence Day, and Exodus Gods and Kings. And that one runs until the 17th of April and is open as ever to all eligible members resident in the UK, Ireland and Isle of Man. And previous competition winners? None. He's, he's won again. He's won again. He's won again. Yeah. Every week. Uh, right. So thanks for that. Uh, that wraps up Hardware News. We'll be back in a sec with Movie News. And it will need to be movie news because um, we're in the second week of April and uh, I've yet to use my card uh, yet again. I was minus 12 uh, last month at the end of it all. I did go and see one film but I went on the cheap day <laughs> so it was half price so that kind of defeated the purpose <laughs> um, but there, there is stuff out there at the minute which I'm interested in seeing. It's just getting, a, getting to the cinema at the minute which is proven difficult now that I've got a social life. Can't you take yeah. the pony club? 
Uh, All roll car- up in your Mustangs like a scene from Saxondale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I don't think that works that way, Mark. It's just uh, one person per card. So um kind of defeats the purpose if you're not then all going to go and sit in, the, in a dark room and watch a film as well. And yeah, I'm, I'm assuming that you haven't gone to the cinema, Steve. I haven't time, which is a shame because actually, like you, I do actually want to go and see Free Fire and Ghost in the Shell. But um, I haven't had a chance. I will definitely go uh, next week, though, because there is a film coming out that I, I really want to see. So in terms of films opening this Friday, we have The Hat and Garden Job which is a, well, basically a film version of the robbery that happened, was it two years ago now? A um, bunch of bunch of old old school villains uh, robbing um, robbing a jewellers in Hatton Garden. Not starring Michael Caine, much to my surprise, but presumably because he's busy starring and going in style, he missed out on this one, even though his name's written all over it. Uh, it's got uh, Matthew Good in the lead. Um, and uh, actually, Sharuna really, really enjoyed it. <laughs> she said it was great fun, really funny, and... Uh, a good old school uh, caper movie, and she, she thought it was great. So um, apparently it's not bad. So worth checking out if you fancy some East End villains robbing a jewellery store in London. But the big release this week, obviously, is Fast and the Furious 8. I think it's called Fast and the Furious 8. In this country, it's definitely called The Fate of the Furious in the US, but there seems to be a, a, a trend with these movies that they have different titles in different areas. So, for example, Fast 5 in the States was called Fast and Furious 5 outside of America, and then Fast and Furious 6 in America was Furious 6 in, spelling, in the rest of the world. Are they spelling fate, F8? <laughs> oh, that's a good one. <laughs> that, that might be why they've gone for that one. Yeah, um, that, yeah that'll, be twi- that'll be for Twitter and hashtags. Yeah, yeah, yeah hashtag fate, <laughs> Furious. Yeah. Um, Seriously, we're now naming our movies based on what we can use them as hashtags. I'm pretty sure Probably. that's the case there. Yeah. <laughs> that just says everything that needs to be said. It does. Yeah. Anyway, Fast and Furious Eight, the eighth film in this series. Uh, the last one, number seven, was the, was the fifth most successful film of all time, um, pulling in one and a half billion dollars, if you can believe that worldwide. Um, obviously, no Paul Walker this time because he sadly died. Uh, but otherwise, all the old crew are back. Plus, Charlize Theron is joining as as the villain. We've also got um, Kurt Russell back as well. Uh, Jason Statham is back. Uh, and, of course, The Rock. So uh, a cracking cast. And if anyone's seen the trailers, it is more of the same over-the-top nonsense involving cars. And in this case, submarines as well. Um, I can't wait. I'm looking forward to this. I think it'll be great fun. Uh, and it opens on Friday. And expect box office records to fall. How the hell can you have a submarine and cars? They, they, they use completely ah. different areas of the planet the submarines one. under the ice it's on it's, it's set on ice submarines under the ice submarine comes up through the ice and then it's launching torpedoes and the cars right maybe they're using it as like a segue to start using other modes of transport uh maybe mark that's that's maybe the case next but, one won't have cars a bit bored enough if they're, they're in submarines next time around or... <laughs> well, they won't. you can't really say it's fast and furious then I don't know how many stunts you can do with a submarine <laughs> It's just they cool. could at least have Sean Connery as a as a as a Russian sub captain though. Shaling into history. <laughs> I've always been impressed by torpedoes and how they can shoot through the water. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent mark. How's that for an That's a nice contribution, wasn't it? <laughs> just thinking out loud. But it seemingly was more difficult than you think to shoot them as well, because you had to take into account I watch a lot of Discovery. You take into account the uh, obviously the the strength of the currents that you're firing through because you're firing through water, that the ship that you're firing on is obviously moving, 
and usually moving at top speed. So you've got, to, you've got to predict where it's going to be um, and predict that when by the time you've fired it and the torpedo's reached where you're aiming it, that the ship's going to be there. And and the success rate wasn't very high. And that's why I'm impressed when one strikes. I know that they didn't they add wooden sort of wooden fins to the rear of the torpedoes uh, the Japanese did when they were launching them in Pearl Harbor because Pearl Harbor was very shallow, which is one of the reasons why the Americans thought their ships were safe. Um, and they had to, they, they designed this, these wooden fins they fitted over the pedal at the back of the torpedo so they could drop it off the planes and it would actually run very shallow. Um, and obviously the ships weren't moving in harbor in the harbor, so it made them slightly easier to hit. Yeah, it's a bit easier to hit something that's not moving. Size <laughs> of a battleship that's not moving, it'll be too hard. The weekend isn't here, we get onto war again. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ed would have been about 40 minutes on torpedoes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and of course, we'll have gotten it all wrong, even though we watched Discovery, and that's what yeah. Discovery says. Uh, right, so uh, Fast and the Furious films rack up 419 million in insurance claims. What the hell's all this about, Steve? Yeah, a, a UK insurer has watched all seven films so far. So it doesn't include the eighth film, but up to, up to number seven, they've watched them all. They've made a record of every car they've trashed. It's it's you know it's um, glasses guide value I suppose, um, and and they have smashed up some really expensive cars over over the course of these sort of particularly the last couple. They've also included the, the the sort of collateral damage in terms of buildings that have been smashed up because in, well, in the fifth one they were dragging a, a safe through the streets of Rio for example, smashing up buildings and things. Anyway, they've they've added up all the cost of all the cars, all the buildings that they smashed up and everything else, and they estimate that they've caused in the region of 419 million pounds worth of damage in the course of those five films, of which two-thirds of that was done by the heroes. Um, so, so, yeah. So no, no wonder our insurance is going up in price if that's the case. <laughs> Blame Vin Diesel. Is that yeah, just that... the hardware? Was it, were lives taken into consideration? No, not including human, human life is not considered. Mm-hmm. This. this is purely um, damage of physical things like cars and buildings. Yeah. And also a tank. And a plane. You, you do know. Um, you do know that in these films, that when you see a Ferrari in that, it's it's not actually a Ferrari. It's another car just with, just made to look like one. You do realize yeah, that. Yeah. Yes. They're actually smashing up a, a, a sort of a ten million pound car. No. But if they were, but obviously within the context of the film, they did. You know, in terms of the film's narrative, that they've smashed up a ten million pound yeah, car. So if, if you were to actually sit down though and go through the, the get a, uh, somebody that knows something about physics. <laughs> And sit down and go through the whole film. You probably find that the, the the lead actors, had it been real life, would have died very very quickly of some of the stunts that they attempt. Especially trying to run up the side of a uh, an Arctic. Is it's is, is it an Arctic lorry that's going over the side of something and somebody's running up the side of it? To... Yeah, that's Paul Walker actually. So, yeah. uh... Who insures them anyway? Who who insures these guys there with terrible records, terrible driving records? Mark, they, they, they just steal them. Uh-huh. Yeah, the most stolen. No, I watched it. Sorry, so you don't, I've you don't, stolen the car. I'm, I'm going to rob somewhere. Yours. Hang on, <laughs> the post office. Third party fire and theft. <laughs> you, you can take the theft off of there because it's already been stolen. Oh, that's true. Ironically, the, the the film with the least amount of damage, uh, or one film with the least amount of insurance claims, is the third film, which is the one, the only one that actually really involves racing. Um, Although these films are generally associated with yeah, racing, the, the third, third one—what was it? Tokyo Drift or whatever. Tokyo it was. Drift. Uh, yeah. it, it had nothing to do with any of the other films, or did it? It, it doesn't. But, ha- but it bar doesn't a ten-second cameo from from Vin Diesel right at the very end. <laughs> yeah, it had. Yeah, nothing to do with it. Right, and it and it doesn't actually fit chronologically either, does it? In terms of plot. Well, the thing is, there's a character called Han in that who everyone liked, 
So they brought Ham back in like the fifth film, um, which meant that therefore the fifth film had to take place before the fourth, third film, because spoiler here, Ham dies in the third film. Um, so in other words, it's basically uh, the way it, the chronology works is it's the first and second films, then the fourth film, fifth film, sixth film, and then at the end of the credits of the sixth film, there's a sequence relating to the third film. Then you watch the third film and then the seventh film. Yes, uh, but as uh, as uh, I think Alice Trailers pointed out, that means that there's some very retro tech going on in the third film, considering it's meant to take place after the sixth film. Well, the 3310s come back, so, you know. It <laughs> it's be, true, actually, maybe. It could be that we're all going to have flip phones again. You know, you never know. Uh, right, so moving on, Blu-ray releases, there's, there's a big one this week. Um, yes, um... Coming out on, on, on Monday, we have Swiss Army Man, which is a film starring Paul Dano as a guy who's trapped on a desert island with only a dead Daniel Radcliffe uh, for company. And uh, the whole film is about him and this dead body played by Daniel Radcliffe, um, who he uses as both a he farts a lot because there's obviously gases in the dying in a, in a rotting body. He uses it as a jet ski at some points and also his company and, and basically he helps him get off the island <laughs> with this dead body. So a bit strange, uh, I have to say, but uh, curious to see that one personally because uh Daniel Radcliffe spending the whole film playing Dead Body must be a bit of a challenge for Matt. His his best stay. his best performance yeah. ever. He was tailor made for the job. <laughs> um that's Swiss Army Man. Uh we've also got Shut In, which stars Naomi Watts as a woman with um a child with learning difficulties and they're trapped in a house in the snow. I'm glad she's um, playing a woman. <laughs> yeah. Uh uh, it's, it's sort of a cross between The Shining and we, we need to talk about Kevin, which um, sounds more interesting than it actually is because Cass says that the, although it's based upon an interesting script, the ultimate film is, is rather disappointing. But the big release this week, uh, obviously, is the release of Rogue One, a Star Wars story, which comes out on Monday in both 2D and 3D Blu-ray. No 4K Blu-ray, unfortunately, because this is Disney, of course, and also no immersive audio because, again, it's Disney. But anyway, Rogue One will be out uh you get the film plus you get uh a number of uh short featurettes kind of total about an hour in total going through the making of the film you don't get any deleted scenes no. and the that can only point to there being a major collector's edition coming later in the year yeah the, i mean if you look at what the i mean the, the difference this time at least is there's a 2d and a 3d release so you can at least buy that now because last time with force awakens there was a 2d release then it was a collector's edition 3d release towards the end of the year before Rogue One came out. Uh, my guess, you're right, Phil, is that uh, there will be a collector's edition with all those. I mean, we know there's a ton of deleted stuff, right? Tons of it. And there's no commentary track from from um, Gareth Edwards on this release either. So I would expect a more in-depth, I'm hoping for a more in-depth making of with loads of deleted scenes and a commentary track from Gareth Edwards uh, on a special edition towards the end of this year to tie in with the release of episode eight. And you December. never know, it might be it might be the studio's first four K release. You never know. It might be. I mean fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Uh, but anyway, obviously I'll be buying that uh, in multiple versions. <laughs> I, I think it goes without saying. I I, I even think it Hodge is like got it. It's on order, it's coming. <laughs> See? Yeah. I've not seen it at the cinema, remember. I have to miss out. Oh, oh, yeah. So I'm very, very, very excited. All right, do you, uh, right. you buy it? I, I will probably pick it up as well. I Like Hodge, I missed it at the cinema, so no spoilers. I'd forgotten that you two hadn't seen it because you weren't on the, the edition where we did do the whole spoiler um, That's why we weren't on it. Discussion, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't. I, I know very little about it. it wasn't, you know, the, the initial trailer. I, I, I didn't watch any more about it after the first trailer. You, you know, little about it, even though Phil and I have been talking about it for a year. I don't listen to you. <laughs> no, I was going to say, I, I usually unplug my headphones then. 
it, it's wise, Mark, um, to unplug your headphones now and again, or go and, go and do something else. Uh, right, so Ultra HD Blu-rays, talking about those, Steve, have they released anything decent yet? Well, um, there's been some interesting releases quite recently that have been reviewed on the site, so Passengers, uh, there's a review of that just up at the moment. Um, I've got to say, that we were talking about this a few weeks ago, and it's got a lot of criticism for the plot, but I've got to say, I really enjoyed the film. I thought it was excellent. Um, I enjoyed the, con- the, the the idea of, you know, what would you do in that situation, that kind of moral dilemma that it raises. I um, thought it was really good. I thought the performances were excellent. Um, I thought Jennifer Lawrence was really charming. Chris Pratt's a great, really charming lead. They work well together, good chemistry. It looks stunning. Um, it's a fantastic 4K Blu-ray. Uh, it was a 4K DI. The images are fantastic. It's got a really, really good Dolby Atmos soundtrack as well. Some interesting extras. It's a cracking disc. If you get the US disc, it comes with the film in 3D as well. So you get 2D, 3D, and 4K in one package. Fortunately, that's not the case, I believe, with the UK release coming later in the year. But I thought it was a cracking disc and a, and a really enjoyable film. So really recommend that. We've got Patriots. Uh, are those region locked for the Blu-rays? Yeah, they're, they're um, region ABC, so there's no reason not to buy it from the States if you're worried about region locking. It's not the case. On Actually, majority of Sony discs. I have only one disc, Sony disc, so far I've discovered had region locking for some reason, even though it said it wasn't supposed to be region locked, which was, was um, The Shallows. Um, otherwise, uh, they, they've been region unlocked uh, for the Blu-rays that come with the Ultra HD Blu-ray. And obviously, Ultra HD Blu-ray doesn't have any regional coding. Uh, that's that's a good uh, that's a good one worth checking out. Um, also, Patriots Day just been reviewed by um, Kaz. Um, again, an interesting film, very entertaining in a sense. I mean, obviously, it's a very basically a procedural drama thriller related to the marathon, um, the Boston Marathon bombing. It's a good DTSX soundtrack on that one, and a good picture. Uh, in terms of coming, uh, things that have been announced, now the big news in the last couple of weeks has been the announcement that the Ultra HD Blu-ray releases of Despicable Me and Despicable Me 2 from Universal will be the first discs to include Dolby Vision. So that's coming in June. Uh, we've also got some other films that have been announced for June as well, funnily enough. Uh, Dread is coming to Ultra HD Blu-ray in June, so I'm quite looking forward to that because I thought it was a cracking movie. Also, Ex Machina is coming. Uh, and... Uh, not not uh, no date yet, but uh, coming on Ultra HD Blu-ray at some point this year. My guess would be to time the release of Alien Covenant. Prometheus is coming out on Ultra HD 4K Blu-ray. Also, the Planet of the Apes films, the the new ones that um, Rise and Dawn are coming out on 4K Blu-ray to tie in with the new War of the Planet of the Apes movie that comes out in the summer. And uh, for those of you who enjoyed John Wick, which is a cracking Ultra HD Blu-ray, by the way, if you're interested in getting it, and you can get it quite cheaply. Uh, also, John Wick Chapter 2 comes out on the 13th of June in the States, at least. And it should be around about the same time in the UK um, on on um, 4K Blu-ray. So quite a lot of, I think, good stuff coming out over the next uh, few months that would be worth, worth picking up. So you say, uh, you've gone through that list, and there's, there's not a lot of films in there that I would watch more than once. And this, this is my new um, way of deciding whether I'm going to buy stuff on disc now, where it is. Is, is it something I'm only going to buy once or will I watch it a few times? Right. Obviously, I've got to get the uh, Planet of the Apes ones because we use them as demo sequences. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> and you'll probably get John Wick Chapter 2, won't you? Uh, yeah, I, I'm not going to upgrade uh, the first one unless it pops up for seven quid or so. Um, then, no, I'll, I'll get the second one. First one on Blu-ray is fantastic. Anyway, and it's got the immersive yeah. soundtrack and it looks great. Mm-hmm. So, you, you've not got that big an upgrade really, with the first one. But the second one I'll pick up just because I don't have it on Blu-ray. Um, talking about seven quid, that was an opening weekend for a film, wasn't it, Steve? Yeah. <laughs> um, Man Down, the new film starring Cheyenne LeBeouf, opened in the UK last weekend, and its opening weekend take was £7. 
literally they sold one, one ticket, ticket. Yeah. one ticket and you know what seven quid isn't even the average price of a ticket in the uk so <laughs> it was in burnley wasn't it so yeah it was in, in, in fairness, <laughs> in fairness <laughs> and god knows why this film was only playing in one cinema in the country and it was a cinema in burnley um I'm not quite sure what kind of release schedule that was designed around. But well, it, was, uh, it was because it was it was a cinema and digital and disc release all in the yeah, same day, so they yeah. had they had to show it in at least one cinema for for them to have that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so they picked a cinema in Burnley, and one bloke went along. I assume it was a guy. Well, Maybe it was a guy. Although they, ha- they have said in previous in in subsequent screenings that they have sold two or three tickets now, so it's up to about forty quid now, I think, in takings. That one ticket, though, sounds more like a man trying to avoid arrest to me. <laughs> Run into a movie theatre. What well, film will no one else be in? You've got to ask what happened to Shia LaBeouf. Because his career was was on the up and up. And then he played the, the son of Indiana Jones. And then after that, he was in this European film, wasn't he, Steve? Where um, it was basically pornography. <laughs> Oh, you mean Nymphomaniac? Nymphomaniac. He, he, he was in that. And then his career has just nosedived from that point on. I think uh, his career has nosedived because he's been behaving rather strangely <laughs> um, since uh, since the Transformers slash Indiana Jones days. Um, yeah, he, 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 he was definitely the big, you know, the new big thing for a bit, wasn't he? But it, like, I mean, fame's a fickle thing, isn't it? One minute you're cock of the walk, the next minute you're a feather duster. You're speaking from experience there, Steve. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when were you ever famous? Success is a fickle thing, I think, maybe is a better phrase in that sense. You've never been successful either, so what are you on about? <laughs> but uh, that must uh, must annoy Danny Dyer, didn't he? He had the record previously for the least amount of money taken in a weekend. Well, how do you get less than seven quid? You have basically have no one has to go, right? You have to perform <laughs> open and nobody goes to see it. <laughs> Does it count refunds? <laughs> yeah. he funny the guy asked for his money back that was rubbish well, I, I, I was just thinking what if he's got an unlimited card <laughs> <laughs> I mean what happens in that, that case the, does the person you have the unlimited card the company do they have to pay for that well pro- obviously not do they I, I don't, I've always wondered how unlimited card attendances um, actually count towards box office because clearly you know you're paying your fee every month but you're not paying for it now, if you and I went to go and see Between Us or Rogue One five times, um, yeah, I, I don't know how it works, but it's not restricted either. So, um, I think a lot of people think that um, you get an unlimited card and that, and so on. When a big movie comes out, you're on the restricted list. That's not the case. They can't do that with that. They have to give you access to everything with the unlimited card. So it is costing them money. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, uh, it, uh, yeah, it's. it's uh, I mean, I guess the, the economics of it work because you just look at you and I <laughs> this year. Clearly, they're up on up up on us having those cards because we haven't been using them as much as we should do. Yeah. And they obviously assume most people probably go to cinema once or twice a month, so therefore they're breaking even on the card or making some money. And quite often, people maybe won't go at all. And then there's the other people who go and see every single film on their card yeah. and absolutely yeah. cane it, which I used to used to do once once upon a time. But what what happens though is you start feeling guilty because you've got this card sitting in your wallet that you really should be going away. And where they make the money is every time I go to the cinema, um, I always have a small one scoop strawberry cheesecake ice cream <laughs> at four pounds. So there you go. They've oh, made, they made four quid out of me for that. Yeah, I always get a latte and that's uh, it's like two pound fifty. So, but I take my own sweets. So there you go. I'm not, I'm not paying their money for a bag of Revels. 
<laughs> I, I rang up. I rang my up my own sweets. He's like Alan Partridge with these twelve inch plates. <laughs> Bollock warm Werther's originals. <laughs> I rang up City World to cancel my card actually because I decided my local, the one in Swindon, is it's not very good cinema to be honest. Do they offer you free sweets? No, they offered, they gave you a month for free. <laughs> so I took that. So May's free, um, and then I will cancel again. <laughs> so, Right. Because I decided that the Odeon is a lot easier to get to. It's a lot much nearer, and it's, it's a better cinema. I, I just really like the Odeon presentation. I don't know if it's the same. I, I assume it is the same on all the sites. I don't know about the older sites. But just the way they present the whole thing, you know, the, um, the little thing starts playing be- 10 minutes before the film starts, and then you get the guy introducing it, and it's laid-back presentation. It's like here's the bit everybody enjoys the trailers, and then you get some trailers, and it's really well put together, and the presentation's really nice. Um, yeah. And you know you know where you are, and you know what you're going to get. So yeah, I, I'm really impressed with Odeon. Gotta say. And I didn't realise that that was UCI that own Odeon now. Oh, right. I didn't realise, I only noticed that because I was looking at my unlimited card when I was bored, and reading the, the small print, and it says uh, Odeon owned by um, uh, United Cinemas International UCI. Do they track the unlimited cards then? Uh, well, as in, you, so they know where you it, are at any time. No, is there some way that, that, <laughs> it, that does it scan or anything? So it it kind of allocates a certain you know as as we were talking yeah, about well, kind of money towards some kind of film or anything like that. Uh, you would think well, so. What, like what I normally do is or... what I normally do is I book online. Um, so I've got my account created and, and the account knows that it's a limited limitless account. So I just book online and it sends me my e-ticket to my phone and I just show my phone to get in. Um, but if you go up to the counter with your with your card, it's got your photograph on it. Um, so it's a bit like a passport type thing where the, they swipe the card and then they check that it is you by looking at the photograph on it. So you can't like give it to your mate to go. Yeah, although you could, what you could do is book it online for your mate and send the e-ticket to them. Because they've never once asked me... For, to show my card when I've gone in with my e-ticket on the phone, um, but that's that's basically how it works. So it's you that has to use the card, yeah. unless you're a twin. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good idea. Well, I guess a bigger twin, you get one. <laughs> just get the one card. The world's least exciting heist film: a twin uses an unlimited cinema card. <laughs> It'll yeah. still make more than seven quid at the cinema, yeah. though, wouldn't it? Danny yeah. Dyer and Shia LaBeouf take note. <laughs> or you could get them in a, as a double act in the film, couldn't you? Shia LaBeouf and Danny Dyer. <laughs> Together at last. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could could remake Twins, couldn't you? It was, it was Twins, wasn't it? Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. And... Yeah, and Danny DeVito. One joke. But, but one which, joke. One would, which one would be the shit one, though? <laughs> <laughs> well, it wouldn't have been Danny Dyer, would it? He's, he's, no. just, he's just a legend. He's been, uh, he's been well, in all fairness, I can't name anybody on EastEnders except for Danny Dyer these days, so he is. <laughs> I, I you, oh, oh, Adam, Adam Woodyard, he's still on it, isn't he? Who's he? That, yeah, he's uh, Ian Beale. Ian Beale. Ian right. Beale. And Ka- isn't Kathy Beale back these days? Isn't it? I think a lot, of them, a lot of the old school have returned because right. their t- careers have gone is, nowhere else. Is Tucker in still in it? Tucker uh, Jenkins. No, he yeah. died. No. Did he finally die of AIDS? I think he did. Oh, did he not? Just go riding off on his motorbike. Into the I think he went off, didn't he? Yeah, maybe he did. And Mrs. Mangle, is she still in it? <laughs> Neighbours is under threat, apparently. Yeah, this is the apparently, big story could, of the week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, could, it could be going. 
I don't know any more about it. I just overheard. Mr. Botwright, you sound like you know quite a lot about it. Well, like no, I, I declare I, an interest, Mark. Come on. No, I, I tuned out. They could never hit the high point of having that dream from the sequence of the dog. After that, <laughs> after Bouncer's <laughs> dream, Bouncer. it all went downhill. <laughs> oh, Bouncer's dream, yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I think I watched Neighbours once, and that was for the um, Scott and Charlene's wedding back in the 80s. That's the only time I think I've ever watched it, and I thought it was That pish. was bigger than Dying Charles, wasn't it? That? It was still pish, Mark. I know, it was awful. I used to watch Prisoner Cell Block 8. <laughs> I know that that was quality TV, but they're in a they're in a you know they're in a cell block and a prison where the walls move. We need to. <laughs> it was a woman's prison as well, wasn't it? It's groundbreaking. Yeah, stuff. with none of the good things that you expect from a woman's prison. Movie. No, <laughs> there wasn't a pretty one amongst Occasional them. Occasional swearing, no nudity. I, let's think back to who was in it, Mark. You wouldn't want to have the nudity. No, <laughs> no, vinegar tits and, and the rest of them. Have we wandered off down a cul-de-sac? How low can you go? Yeah. Uh, there you go. Uh, right, so to wrap up, um, there was a lot of good movies last year. It's it's now April 2017, so we're talking about 2016. A uh, lot of good movies, a lot of good Blu-rays, a lot of good Ultra HD Blu-rays. And it's your opportunity now. Um, should you desire to go and vote for the best movie Blu-ray, an Ultra HD Blu-ray of 2016. So um, if you look on the homepage, there is a story. You could go to that and click on that. Or you could go to the separate forums for uh, movies for Blu-ray and Ultra HD Blu-ray. And there are polls within those forums as well where you can cast your vote on what you think were the best. Um, Steve, what was your favourite movie of the year last year? My favourite movie of the year was Rogue One. Okay, and your favourite Blu-ray? The Force Awakens. And your UHD Blu-ray? Oh, I'm going to go with... Something that's on the list. Yes, obviously. <laughs> no, I'm going to go with Deadpool. Uh, it, was the first, it was the first big release of the format. 4K DI, Dolby Atmos soundtrack. It was a cracking film. It looks and sounds brilliant. And it's got a really good selection of extras as well. Um, absolutely. I mean, it was, it was the, first big, the first big release of the new format. And it was a, a really good first big release too. So I'll go for that one personally. Okay, I went with The Revenant. Yeah, um, I... For the Blu-rays, I went for The Force Awakens 3D. And uh, for Movie of the Year, I went for Rogue One. Mr. Hodge. Okay. Uh, hmm. Ultra HD Blu-ray Revenant. Although I'll I'll qualify that by saying I've seen Revenant, Deadpool and Sicario out of that list, I think. Um, Blu-ray Force Awakens. I don't like 3D, even though it was good. Uh, and do, 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 movie Deadpool. Okay. And finally, Mr. Potright. Can I take the fifth? <laughs> Which is, um, I've seen Precious Little. Although I, I, I do hear Jungle Book was uh, very pre- good. Precious, Precious Little's not on the list. <laughs> uh, yeah, I keep hearing about the Jungle Book. Yet to pick it up on disc. I, it's one of these ones that I'm going to wait till the Blu-ray or the 3D Blu-ray is is in the bargain bin, basically. Or in the three, three for fifth, uh, whatever it is that HMV do, three for thirty or five for whatever it is. Once it pops in there, I'll pick it up. So, uh, it may never pop in there though, because it's a good film. Don't yeah. often see Disney stuff getting bang, getting you know, knocked down, do you? All Price the t- all the time, HMV. Yeah. Tesco do that, right? As well. Yeah, Tesco do the Disney mm-hmm. stuff as well, cheap. But Tesco, it's it's normally DVD. It's rare that they, they run it on the Blu-rays. And on that bombshell. How, how, how's that for a film enthusiast podcast? 
I'll buy it in the bargain bin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's it's getting expensive these days. Like I said last week, I mean, I was all for buying Fantastic Beasts. Harry, uh, Fantastic Beasts, yeah. Uh, I was all for buying that, and it was 25 quid, and I thought, that's stuffy. If it had been 20, I'd have picked it up. Especially when the Blu-ray is sitting there at 13.99. It's a lot uh, of money, isn't it? And, and there's not that great a difference between the between the two discs. You know what I mean? Fair enough. On that bombshell. <laughs> <laughs> um, on that expensive bombshell. That's it for the podcast this week. My thanks to Steve Withers. Watch the thrust. Mark Hodgkinson. Be careful with those. They're explosives. And Mark Burry. It wasn't all bad, was it? Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook, bookmark AV Forms for the latest reviews, news and videos, and of course, leave us those five-star ratings on iTunes, but only if you enjoyed the show. I'm Phil Hinton, thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you again next week. Yeah.